Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal. From my Warwick home on a Friday morning, I am joined, as always, by my co-conspirator, the sports director at ABC6, the weekend co-host of Cordishian Coit on WBI Providence, Nick Coit, ladies and gentlemen. Coity, how we living? Uh, we're living warm, thankfully. Uh, we got some cold temperatures rolling through right now. This is... Uh... I always think now that winter starts in January, and yeah. here we are. It's getting cold, um, but that's okay because we got college basketball to warm us up. Yeah, it's almost like the seasons have spun forward a month, haven't they? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's true. Right, like it's winter true. doesn't really start in December anymore. It doesn't feel that way. Right. No, it's. I, I mean, I can't remember the last time we had snow around Christmas. Right. It's always like drier now. It's it's. It just doesn't happen anymore. And we used the to get like kind of we'd get like a freak early snow around Thanksgiving as well. Yeah, right. You don't get but that. The song, the song is kind of losing its meaning now because you just don't get snow around that holiday. So, but when you get to January, February, brace yourself because it's coming. Bing Crosby would be crushed. Uh, I'm sure. That's, uh, <laughs> That's true. A lot of royalties there. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've. Uh, no white Christmas this year, but as I look out uh, my window here in my Warwick home, there's plenty of snow out there, and uh, apparently more to come on on Saturday. We hope uh, we hope that doesn't affect folks who are trying to get out to, to college basketball games. We get a busy slate uh, in the state over the weekend. Um, Coit, since you are the permanent guest on this podcast, I'm going to give you the honor of deciding where we start. Well, let's uh, let's start with the positive vibes and the the happy, happy, joy, joy. Um, yeah, let's start with the Friars uh, who good got back you. on track See, this week. This, this is why I let you decide because you go in a positive <laughs> direction. That that's good. That's good. Uh, Captain positivity. That's me. I like that. Um, that's good. But you know what? It, it was a uh, it was a good week, obviously, because uh, Providence gets back on track um, and a, a decisive victory at DePaul. We kind of looked at that game and said, this is probably the opportunity here where the Friars can really sort of get things right again. The whole get right game, uh, that's exactly what it was. Um, and a lot of different different guys contributed in the game, which was good. And and I know I saw on social media, it's like, oh, well, it's DePaul. So it's no, these, these guys needed this game. These guys needed this game. The The difficulty here, Bill, has been their schedule ever since. Bryce went down with his injury because mm. you know you you lose Bryce in a game against Seton Hall, who's probably the hottest team next to UConn in the league. I mean, mm. they have really started well, and then you have to go to Creighton, go to St. John's, home against Xavier. Like, there's no break in there, and there's maybe a couple practices here and there to try to work things out or look at it and say, how are we going to do things differently without Bryce? I mean, you're trying to work on that on the fly. And now I think this week here, this little buy, I think is really crucial for the Friars. And to see some of the progress in that DePaul game, I think that all comes at the right time here. And I, I think the team's going to have a chance to take a deep breath. You know, you've got a week between games now. And they won't play until next Wednesday at Seton Hall. So, the, you know, this was a good victory. And and you saw some really good signs of progress from a lot of different guys. I mean, Devin Carter was Devin Carter. Devin Carter is an All-American at this point in the season. I mean, he is just 
spectacular. Spectacular. The guy's just been unbelievable. When you're a college player and you can take over a game like he did in the final four minutes of the first half and into the second half, that's that's taking it to another level. Devin Carter promised the coaching staff that he would do that, and he's done that. It's been really, really impressive to watch. And I saw somebody on social media, I can't remember who it was, but somebody compared, I think it was Mike Hopkins, or, or retweeted something comparing like, this sort of time period and the the rise in play from Devin Carter to another guy that did this about 10 years ago when the Friars were short in a rotation, had a major injury, and a guy needed to step up. And that was when Chris Dunn got hurt and was out for the season. And Bryce Cotton stepped forward and averaged more than 40 minutes a game yeah. and won the Big East tournament and got the Friars to the NCAA tournament. And I, I thought about that. I'm like, hmm, interesting. And just the rise in the level of play, it, it was a reminder of it. And so I, I thought that was uh, an interesting comparison. Yeah, Providence wins it 100-62 to at DePaul. The most points they've scored in a regulation Big East game since 2008-09. Uh, that was against Syracuse in a home win. They scored 100 points in that one as well. Carter with 20 of his 25 in the first half. They managed to get him off his feet in the second half, which was nice because, as you mentioned, he... Uh, you know, he's carried a, a heavy burden here without Bryce Hopkins. He he is the clear guy on this team. Uh, and at times in that losing streak, there were too many passengers. Not the case the other night uh, at DePaul. I, I thought Corey Floyd Jr. had some good minutes in the first half. I thought Rafael Castro played very well um, the first half especially. Uh, you know, and I, I think, uh, you know, you're going to need those guys to to give you something. They're They're – you don't have the luxury now of, of sort of hiding in the back and not raising your hand in the classroom uh, if you're Providence. That that's taken away once you lose Bryce Hopkins, and and obviously, uh, you know, he went home to his native Chicago this week. He had surgery on the same Wednesday uh, to fix the the ACL in his left knee. Uh, Kim English was was waiting in uh, you know in the waiting room outside the operating room at Rush Medical Center uh, with Bryce's family. Um, you know, a nice bit of timing that really, for the Friars to, to be there and to have a contingent there. Uh, I know Bryce was on FaceTime with the players, uh, you know, before and after the game in the locker room, which you love to see. Um, you know, and I, I think that would have done good for their spirits. I, I think, uh, you know, when you're you're able to to tap in with your guy and, and you know he's okay and, you know, you get to see his face and, and, and have a joke maybe with him a little bit and, uh, you know, wish him well, I, I, think, I think that does you good, you know, and uh, as you mentioned, Providence goes into a bye here. They they play at Seton Hall next Wednesday. They get a little time to rest. Uh, you know, Carter's been battling illness. He can get himself healthy. Um, you know, Josh Duro can can heal up his ankle, which he's been playing through a little bit. Um, and they can work on how they want to structure their rotations and, and how they want to structure their defense uh, going forward because Bryce is, is obviously missed it at that end of the floor as well. Um yeah, but hey, you said it. I mean, you're playing DePaul. It's a perfect time for them to come up on the schedule. I, I mean, God, quite they are terrible. I mean, bad. they really are. Jeez, really, really bad. Terrible. Uh, it's a, a pushover, and it, it was hmm, holy cow. I mean, he competed for the first fifteen, 15 minutes. minutes, maybe. Yeah, and, and then, then after that, whoa, Devin took over, and all they, the other guys, all the other guys realized, oh. <laughs> We could push them over. I mean, that that's bad. They they lost the last twenty four minutes by thirty two points. 
That's bad. I mean, that's horrific. I know. It's like no, and, and De- yeah, DePaul's in a major market, and it's, I don't know, they just haven't been able to get that right out there. And, you know, they got that arena, they've got good facilities, they've got, like, that stuff, it's like, man, I, I just, what a job. That is such a tough, DePaul has become, like, Fordham. I don't know, Fordham, you know, what what Rutgers was mm. um, for a little while. Good one. I know we. I know we talked about a couple coaching cycles ago when Dan Hurley was still at URI. I think we talked about how, you know, well, New Jersey Rutgers were like, don't go to Rutgers, Dan. Don't do it. Right. You know, but, they, but they've done a good job. I mean, credit to them. I, I, I think, you know, they, they've turned things around there. Um, so it can be done by the right person. It's just, boy, it is a challenge. It is stiff. So. Tough to see. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, the other thing I was going to say. Um, did you see the actual video of Bryce on on FaceTime with the guys? No, I didn't. So there's a sights and sounds and like game. I think it was 18 video. I I don't know if it was Nick Rojas or if it was somebody else. They do a tremendous job with sort of the behind the scenes look of like the day yeah. of the game and all that. They do. They have a they have video of Kim putting Bryce on his phone on FaceTime. And he actually broke the team down on FaceTime. He said mindset one, two, three. And so it was it was really cool. Really cool to see it. Um, so kudos to the PC athletic department, Nick Rojas and the and the video team there, because they they do it's great stuff. And that that was cool to see. And I'm sure if you're a fan, you're looking at it saying, like, oh man, that's really, really cool, really classy. You could see genuinely how uh excited Kim was to to have him, you know, in that setting after a victory too. So that that was really cool to see. Yeah, he was with us on Zoom after the game, and and you know I asked him about Bryce. I said, "How's Bryce doing?" Because I knew he had surgery that day, and his his face just brightened immediately. You know, yeah, you, you can tell that he feels a, a certain type of way about Bryce, and it's hard not to. He's a nice kid, you know, like yeah, he is. He, nice kid does the right things, works hard, um, you know, seems to be well liked by his teammates. You know, we're not in the locker oh, yeah. room, obviously, or on the road with those guys, but. From what we see of them interacting, you know, he seems like a guy who is well liked on that team. Um, you know, and and it's why we said at the time of of his injury, it's just cruel that that, that happens to to someone like that. Uh, you don't yeah. want to see anyone get hurt, but especially not a guy like that. It's just, you know, it's not right. Um, but the the spirits go up. They know he's on the road to recovery. Yeah. They get a nice victory. They have a chance to catch their breath, absorb some things. You know, not making excuses for you know the the few losses they had, but it's it's difficult if you think about it behind the scenes. It's difficult. You have one, maybe two practices in between games. You have to throw yourself out there after months preparing as a team, playing a certain way with certain guys out there. It's a huge adjustment. Um, but I think this DePaul game helped them in terms of seeing what guys can do to step forward. And you know, you mentioned a few guys. One guy I keep looking at, and I'm saying like. I think he's more and more knows and realizes that, hey, I can step forward here. I can do a lot. I can really put my stamp on games is Jaden Pierre. Um, mm. I think I think at first, maybe there might have been a little hesitancy to like find your own offense, because I think I think Jaden's used to really setting guys up because he's got a lot of options around him. But I think now with Bryce off the floor, Jaden's a talented offensive player. And I think he's finding more and more of that while also doing the things that make him successful too. still had five assists the other night, 14 points. 
And I think the more and more, and I he think he's just a good shooter. He's got a good shot. Yeah. So the more and more he has a chance to step forward and knows that he can step forward, then I think the better and better off the Friars are going to be. He's gonna he's gonna be key for them. He is. And he's a sophomore, and I get it. He's trying to do the right things. And he's trying, like I said, he's got a guy like Devin on the floor to help him and Josh. And but when he can find his own offense, it's gonna help this team a lot. Well, this is the the year and this is the time where you're supposed to take a jump if, if you're going to be a good yeah. player from freshman to sophomore year. And, you know, especially as you get into the midway point into the second half of your sophomore season, you're you're supposed to start to establish yourself as a player at, at that point. And he's doing that. And, you know, like you said, it, it's unfortunate the way he got the opportunity to do that. Um, but he is making the most of it. I, I know at St. John's, he played well. He had 17 points and. You know, Kim said after the game, I don't view Jaden as some setup guy. I view him as a modern point guard who can go out and score a little bit as well. Uh, you know, and he really doesn't have a choice right now. If this team's going to be good at some point, if they're going to have a meaningful next two months over the course of the season, he has to score for them. He he does. They've been struggling on offense. You lose 17 points a game with Bryce being out. You need to get that from somewhere else. And and he is among the the most likely people who can give it to you. Um, and And he's been able to do that here. Uh, over the course of a couple nights. Providence off until next Wednesday. They will go to Seton Hall. Uh, they will see the Pirates for the second time. Uh, as you mentioned, Coit, Seton Hall just on a heater right now, playing really, awesome. really well. Oh, man. Um, you know, if, if if they win out this week, you would expect them potentially to crack the top 20 here in the rankings uh, You know, come Monday morning. They, they've been outstanding. Good for Shaheen. I mean, this team yep. is playing with all the traits that that Shaheen would put on a team. I think they're tough. I think they can do a lot of different things. Um, and there's a buy-in. Uh, you hire the right coach, players buy in, you know, and and all the the talent they have on the floor. We saw it a little bit last year, uh, just flashes. I think they were just sort of still establishing things, establishing the program. But they came in here and they whacked Providence at the end of the year. They whacked they them. Yeah. Um, and I think they've sort of built on that this year and uh, we heard it from Kim at the time you know yeah I think I asked him in that availability before the Seton Hall game like you know a lot of times we talk about how you know teams are you know in the in the model or in the um, structure or whatever a personality of a coach and he was like oh yeah Seton Hall Shaheen Holloway like Definitely. All the traits that he had, you see it on this team. And we're seeing it night in and night out. They just they go out, they play confident, they they you feel like they can beat anybody. And you have that kind of confidence, it just snowballs and continues to grow. And that's that's huge. Well, I mean, he's got some dudes too. Like Kadari Richmond can yes. play for anybody. That guy's a monster. Really I, good. I can't imagine being a smaller guard and trying to defend him because He's just coming downhill, leading with that shoulder. You know he's going to the rim. Good luck trying to stop it because he's, yeah. he's just coming at you with that big physical body, and you're like, dang, this guy, like, he's he's coming at me like a defensive end. What am I supposed to do? Um, the bellwether for them, though, is Alamir Dawes. When he's in double figures, they're a problem. They've only lost one game this year. When he's gotten into double figures, I think they're 10-1 and one when he scores in double figures. He's sort of the X-factor guy, the microwave guy for them. I know he got it going in the second half at Providence when they won that game up here. Um, you know, he's been a, a difference maker for them. Uh, you know, and that'll be amazing. Even Davis, too. Even yeah. Davis, like Dre Davis. Two two good games against Providence. Last year he had 24. This year I think it was at 18. 
yeah. a couple weeks ago. Like that kid can play too. I mean, they just, I thought when Kim said, this is an old school Big East team, I think mm. he's right. I yep. think he's right. West Virginia, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, totally right. And, yeah. and they're going to see him again here. And now Providence has to try to pay him back on the road. That is, that's difficult. You know, you, it's a major challenge. You've got some time to prepare for it. It would be nice if you could get a split. Uh, it'd be a major boost to your postseason resume if you can win that game. That's quadrant one all the way and, and will be through the end of the season. Uh, that's next Wednesday in Newark. Uh, I'm 50-50 on making that trip. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, depending on my traveling bones and how they feel at that point. Plus, you might want to save your strength for the next game on the schedule. What is the next game on the schedule, Coy? That's January 27th. What, who, who are they playing that night? I don't know. Let me check the calendar again. I'm not yeah. sure. Eight days away, Coy. Eight oh, my goodness. Eight days away from Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, boy. Oh, baby. Wear your helmets to the amp that night. Holy we smokes. Wear your a helmets. A lot of solo cups. No tall boys. Whoa. Whoa, they're going to be deep, deep into those clear solo cups uh, for that 1230 tip, I, I would imagine. Boy. Yikes, baby. Or a lot of Bloody Marys being served around the city. Oh, I mean, our, our friends at Murphy's are going to be jammed that morning, I would imagine. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, between between Premier League soccer and, and that game, ooh, baby. Yeah. If they work, if, if Twiggy works that early... <laughs> Shut down the bridge. Oh yeah. Twiggy. Twig Twiggy and Mike and, and Candace and, and Lewis, man, they're gonna be overrun over there. That's for sure. Holy smokes. Yeah. But uh we, we will get to that one uh next week, certainly, because I've I've got some takes, Coyd. Okay. <laughs> got some takes on that one. Oh, um another team that that really needed a, a a dose of positive energy i think is the brown men and and we'll go to them next uh because monday they had a nice win at harvard um game that they led by 19 points late in the first half and struggled to close it out down the stretch but ultimately got it done uh up at levitis pavilion levitis coy levitis yes not not yeah, look, not not Levetes like one idiot on this podcast uh, was previously <laughs> pronouncing it. Levides Pavilion. That's me, everyone. Um, 74-72, Brown wins it at Harvard. Uh, Nana Wusunane with, with a, a hook shot late in the last minute that that really settled them down and, and got them over the finish line. Um, Coit, we've talked about it. It's been a struggle for the Bears at, at times. It, it's really been difficult for them to close some of these games out. They've had some big leads and lost them late in the second half of, of games. You know, I think uh, of the Vermont game specifically uh, was the most recent example. Um, so for Brown to go on the road and, and get this done at Harvard, uh, a place where they've had some success recently, uh, honestly, um, I, I don't know if there was a team that we cover who, who needed a win more, uh, you know, just to sort of get their season back on track, maybe get them settled and, and, they could sink their teeth into the Ivy League schedule a little bit here, um, you know, because obviously the first game you play against Yale, it doesn't go very well. If you go up to Harvard and and you know you struggle in similar fashion, you're zero and two. You wonder where this is going, and you know you you look at the response that they had uh, Monday afternoon in Boston on Martin Luther King Day. I, I think it was you know it's really something that Mike Martin and his staff can build on. 
Huge. Yeah, huge. And it really these guys have really after these games, Coach Martin and the players have very much been like, we feel like we're working hard. We feel like we're doing the right things. We just can't get over the hump with some of these games. We feel like it's going to turn a corner at some point. We feel like our results are going to show with the hard work we're putting in. And I think the Harvard game was an example. And one of the guys that's really been bought in that has continued to um, you know, work hard, and I think it really paid off, is Nana Usuanane. And I, I thought he really, from the jump in that game, established himself and realized, oh, I'm the alpha in the paint in this game. He did. I, I mean, there was one play I showed in the highlight where he grabbed an offensive board through three Harvard players and went up and, you know, threw in another hook shot. Like he, that was a game where Nana said, no, not today. And and good for him. He, he did the right things. He made winning plays. And then that hook shot at the end, I think, as Harvard's coming back, was crucial. It was yep. key. And it was a veteran play. Didn't try to do too much. Just did what he does well. And something that I'm sure he's practiced over and over again. And went right to it. And that that was the difference in the game. So, And Keno Lilly Jr. was Keno Lilly Jr. Does, does what he does. He's going to draw a lot of attention. Um, but still scored, scored at a high volume, made some tough shots. Um, but I thought I thought Nana and I thought the front court in that game, the advantage there really showed through. And Mike Martin has said that's what he feels like is the strength of the team. Where things can shine is through the front court. Try to run some of the offense through the front court. And I, I think in that game, I just think they were tougher on the boards at points in the game. And, and I think it really it showed through and. That's huge for them. I think it's a confidence boost. It, it grabs some momentum back, and they can try to carry that back home when they play Cornell. Yeah, 16 offensive rebounds. You, you shoot 57% from two. You know Those are both good indicators of the work that they did in the paint. Uh, you mentioned Nana, 18 points, nine rebounds in the game. Felix Kloman had a nice showing at home in Massachusetts. He had 11 points in the game. He made a couple shots at, at key points while they were building that lead in the first half. And you know, I look at Brown Coit. They got Cornell coming up on Saturday. I, I'm going to be at the Pizzatola Center. I would imagine you might be as well. Um, you know, and that's, yeah, we're we're, uh, we're broadcasting uh, Cordishian Coit from the Pizzatola Center from uh, 10, 10 to noon, and then I'm suiting up and we're doing the game at two. So it's a full day at the Pits. You guys are uh, bumped by the gambling show again by Odyssey. We are bumped back, yes, but we are doing the show this week, which is good. Hey, beautiful thing. By by my count, that means you get to sleep in a little bit on a Saturday compared to your normal. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that that's seven AM call to start the show. I don't know how I would do with that. It's been a nice break the last couple of weeks Ooh, from it, which is good. Seriously, my goodness. I mean, for for folks who aren't familiar with the the many hats that Coit wears, uh <laughs> That Saturday morning gig is brutal. Holy smokes, the timing on that. But it's great, and we have a great following. We get a great response. Um, I appreciate everybody that listens because it's it really is a great response, um, and that's what drives me to get up at quarter of six in the morning every Saturday. So yeah, when when I'm in the car that early, if I have somewhere to go, I I definitely have even Scott on. I, I would imagine I'm not alone in that. Um, you know, and, and certainly that's that's a convenient option if you can do the show at the pits and then go right into the game. And it's it's a swing game for Brown. It's a game that, you know, if they really do want to finish in the top four, this is the type of game you have to take care of at home. You're playing Cornell 
team that's probably going to be somewhere around you or or that you need to finish behind you if you're going to finish in the top four. And, and I think, uh, you know, that's the type of game that, that you need to grab. Um, you know, and I think Brown will, will certainly be up for the challenge, uh, you know, whether or not they, they can execute enough, um, you know, be tough enough in, in critical moments. Uh, it didn't go as well against Yale, but, you know, obviously we we've talked about it. Yale looks like the class of the league, and and certainly yeah. that that was a tough way to start. Um, you know, Harvard much better. You bounce back. You give yourself a little belief here, uh, and you can go into Cornell, you know, feeling a little better about yourselves. And and I think that's that's critical for Brown, considering the way their their first seventeen games have gone as a whole. Uh, you know, I think for them to to build a little confidence and, and feel like, yes, this is the team who we thought we had, you know, this is what we're supposed to be. I, I think that's critically important for them to feel that way. Ivy league play is what it's always been about. It's it's, that's what it's about. That's why it's, it's tough. You, 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 you're hoping to get better results in the non-conference play, but if by going through some of the adversity and going through some of the tough losses and non-conference play leads to good league play, and leads to them being able to close out some of these close games on the Ivy League schedule, then great. That's what that was for. That's what it's all about is Ivy League play. And to get that win at Harvard, road win in the Ivy is crucial. It's huge. And to start 2-1, and one, if you're able to do that, you're setting yourself up well. We, uh, we'll keep the positive vibes going with the Bryant men, uh, Coit, who we were with, on Thursday at media availability, uh, they're in the midst of a bye this week. They did not have a midweek game. Um, they will play at Albany on Saturday. And, you know, that's obviously got some local interest quite with, with Sebastian Thomas at Albany lighting it up right now for the Great Danes. Um, Bryant at 3-0 and in the America East. Uh, obviously, they won last Saturday at New Hampshire. Um, you know, and... and it's a good mood right now at the chase. It, it really is. You know, I stayed and watched practice for, for about 20, 25 minutes on, on Thursday. And I think you can tell when you're in a winning gym, you know, like there's, there's a certain way about the players. They, they have a certain bounce in their step there. There's a way that they go through practice with energy and with sharpness, um, you know, and it's just drill to drill to drill and guys go in and they get their work done. And there's, you know, minimum amount of fuss going on there and, and, you know, no mistakes and the coaches aren't starting drills over and, you know, there aren't guys who are just, you know, underperforming or fooling around or anything like that. It's very, you know, very sharp, very workmanlike, um, you know, I don't want to say professional, but something approaching that, uh, you know, I just, I like the way Brown is uh, Brown. God, I do that all the time. <laughs> oh, I hate that. God. I like the another, way another Brian, quarter in the jar. Another oh, quarter in the jar. It's terrible. It really is. The jar is full okay. over here on my my windowsill. Mm -hmm. Terrible. <laughs> I really like the way that Bryant's going about things. I, I like the mood around that team right now. I, I this is a coin flip game, according to Ken Palm. Um, the way Bryant has performed in the non-conference and and now in conference play, winning five of their last six overall. Um, you can't help but feel good about them going into that game. A lot of confidence. Uh, we've talked about how early on this team established itself in terms of what everybody does on the team um, and how the rotation goes and all those things. And I think they're all showing up. They're all important. And you're seeing different guys, too, 
step forward and have big games. And I think that's the dangerous thing about this Bryant team. You know Sharif Gross-Bullock is going to score in a volume. You know that Earl Timberlake is going to do what he does, crash the glass, set other guys up. But when a guy like Daniel Rivera goes to New Hampshire and has 25 points and you know flashes the way that he can, when on, on a night where Rafael Pinzon comes off the bench and he can't miss... All, all those like that is that is really difficult to defend and get ready for. And so having all the different options, having all these different guys being able to step forward, it makes it tough. And for Brian, if you can go to Albany and get a victory Saturday, you're talking about not just four and oh in America East, but four and oh with three road wins in the league. Mm. Then you're setting yourself up to have return games with these teams in your own gym. I mean, you're really setting yourself up well. If you don't get it, okay, fine. Three three and one, and you got two road wins? Like, okay. But I don't know. I expect this team to go out there and play well again. It's And you're totally right. The, the vibe in the gym and the way guys are working, there's just there's a positive energy in there. Um, there's just confidence. I think these guys like to go to the gym and work, mm. which is a great thing. Great sign. I think coach Martelli jr. Had said that, uh, they had an off day, one of the days this week and every single one of the guys came in on the off day at some point just to put some shots up. Right. And that's a great sign that to me says these guys are invested. And the other thing, and I, I aired this soundbite last night on the, on the newscast was that they win at New Hampshire and it's happy in the locker room. They're satisfied. It's great. They're enjoying it. But Connor Withers, who's one of the veterans on this team, who's been on an America East contender before the UMass Lowell, it's where he came from, yep. steps forward and says, hey, this is great. We got to keep going. Like, it's early. We got to keep going. Don't enjoy this too much because... It's it's not going to get any easier. We have bigger goals in mind. And it's not the coaching staff saying that. It's a guy on the team. And that says to me, these guys are really locked in on the mission. And so it, I think it makes them really, really dangerous in this league. And so it'll be interesting to see how they show out. Now that Albany's coming off a tough loss, uh, a one-sided loss to UMass Lowell here on Thursday, um, you know, you wonder what their response is going to be like. Um, and, and you mentioned Sebastian Thomas, he's been a great player for them so far. I, I said to you, Bill, you know, coach Killings out there, I looked at him and said, I want you to be my point guard. I want you to lead my team. He saw something in Sebastian and I think there was buying both ways. And I think that sort of led to his success. It's been a great landing spot for Sebastian. I mean, it, it highlights what makes him good as a player and, that's a great thing. And when a coach believes in you like that, we kind of heard that on media day uh, from them. That's huge. I mean, to me, it's the, maybe the America East version of Shaka Smart calling Tyler Kolick and saying, hey, I see something in you. I want you to run my team. I want you to be my point guard. And you know, when, when that belief is there and you can highlight a guy that has true point guard skills, that's a, that's a great thing. Tyler Kolick, that worked out okay, didn't it? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty right? good. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, you 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 make a good point. It, it's it's a fit there. It's a fit there for Sebastian in in terms of role. 
in terms of uh, you know the the style that they play, it's it's a good fit for him, and and he's made the most of it. He's he's excelled uh, there, and and you love to see it. Love to see a local guy do well. Uh, you know that's that's we're all about that certainly on this pod. Um, quite good point on the road games as well. Uh, you're you're at Albany, you're at NJIT next Thursday, and then if you're Bryant, you got an absolute showdown with Vermont coming in here next Saturday, uh, you know, that would be a game if you're able to take care of the next two. Uh, that'd be an, an early measuring stick game for for who's going to be at the top of the league. And, you know, certainly uh, Vermont gave them a hard time last year. I, I think the loss at Vermont that they had midseason last year, I think that was the one that really knocked their confidence a little bit. Uh, I think they felt like going up there that, that they were supposed to win that game and that they would take care of the Catamounts and it was going to be their league. And, you know, they were never in it from start to finish and and you thought oh boy you know what happened here this this isn't you know, this isn't what we expected and you know that's us from the outside you you can only imagine how they felt in the locker room they just seemed dented from that point on uh you know and and weren't necessarily themselves the, the rest of the way um so this is a good chance obviously to to go to Albany go to NJIT that's a game they'll be favored in uh if you can build some momentum and win these two and and you know, going to Vermont with a head of steam. That, that's exactly what Phil Martelli would be looking to do here. Well, and think about the 27th college basketball in the state now. I mean, yeah. you're talking about Bryant-Vermont really setting up to be a huge matchup. And then there's a PC game before that, too. Yeah, kind of a kind of an important game, right? Something like that. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. You got uh, URI women, UMass that day. All right. Um, You've got uh, what else? You got another home game here. Brown women are playing at home yep. that day as well. Full slate. All eight teams will be in action on that Saturday. It's it's going to be quite a show. Love it. Um, yeah, one of those games will will take most of the headlines. But uh, the, yeah, these the games other. is not like the other. <laughs> but the others are no less important, certainly. Um, you know, and and uh, Bryant and and Vermont will be. Uh, intriguing in its own right, uh, you know, and especially if if the Bulldogs can get a couple results here uh, against Albany and NJIT, it'll make it fascinating. Yeah, huge. I, we'll see. Um, but the way that they're playing, you feel good about Brian's chances here because they just they're they're a team, they're a team, and and connected, and that's that's fun to see. We go to a former Bryant standout who had himself a night. Uh, on Wednesday at one of our team's expense. Uh, that's Charles Pride at St. Bonaventure, playing a little closer to home here in western New York. And uh, the Bonnings had their way with URI on Wednesday night, uh, 99-64. Uh, the first taste of adversity for the Rams since having David Green available. They had a four-game winning streak. They were 3-0 and in the A-10, feeling good about themselves going up to Olean and got smacked. Uh, you know, and it was a game where... They were off the rails early. There were some early turnovers in the game. St. Bonaventure uh, literally and figuratively snowed on them uh, for 40 minutes. Um, you know, it was just a a complete demolition. And and one of those games that, yes, as a coaching staff, you you want to have some teaching points there. You want your guys to learn some lessons from it. But also, you want to throw it in the trash and start over because you or I was never in this. This is not representative of who they were the previous three games. Uh, and it was the St. Bonaventure team that had the students back on campus. Uh, St. Bonaventure team that had lost to Fordham the previous game at home. You can only imagine what Mark Schmidt was saying to those guys leading up to this. 
Uh, I spoke with Archie Miller on Thursday, and and he said, uh, you know, they had an edge that, that we didn't necessarily see on the Fordham tape. Um, you know, and they just came out and took it out on us. And, uh, you know, it was it was a struggle from start to finish for URI. Uh, it was a game that, that obviously they want to put in the rearview mirror as quickly as possible. It happens. <laughs> it happens. Um, yeah, I think you mentioned all the factors there. And then the factor of just, and you know this because you've made the trip before, Bill, it ain't an easy trip to go to Olean and, and play St. Bonaventure. Oh. It's not easy. And so it happens. Um, and, and Charles Pride, we know how good of a scorer he is. I mean, that kid was cooking. He was feeding off the crowd. And they, they just blitzed him. It happens. Sometimes it happens. I, I think you're right. I, I'm sure there's things that Archie and the staff are looking at and saying, okay, we got to do this better. We can't let this happen. But I think part of it is to look, guys, it, it doesn't throw away the success that we've been having as a team. You know, don't let it knock your confidence. Let's come right back out and let's just play better the next game. I mean, that's that's the basics of it. You look at it and you're like, oof. But I mean, it doesn't matter how one-sided something can go. A loss is a loss. So you just you shake it, you move on. And I think that's the best thing you can do. And Pride had 25 points in the game. He he had 14 pretty much before I looked up. Unbelievable. I looked at the box and I was like, whoa, he's got 14 already? Unbelievable. Yeah, he's Charles? a great scorer. We knew that. We yeah. knew that. We've seen it. I mean, but to see it in the 8-10, good for Charles. Good kid. Works hard. Um, you know, good for him. It's it's good when players like that sort of step up in weight class in terms of the the conferences. And he's done that with St. Bonaventure. And I, like I said, I think the crowd, the atmosphere, really, you could tell right away when those guys had that edge, like you were talking about, like Archie was talking about, feed off of it. It snowballs. It is what it is. You move on to the next one. Yeah, Chad Venning had, had 15 points in six blocks in 21 minutes. Daryl Banks came off the bench. He had 14 points at seven assists. He he was outstanding as well. Uh, key stat in the game, Coit, 29 to two points off turnovers. Uh, yeah. St. Bonaventure really took advantage of, of URI's mistakes in that game. And, you know, it doesn't get any easier for the Rams now going to Dayton. Uh, you know, on Saturday, nationally ranked Dayton, they're 21 in, in the most recent polls. They, they've been on a really nice run here atop the A-10, and, and obviously a homecoming for Archie Miller, um, you know, place where he got his head coaching start as a 32-year-old. He's one of the youngest coaches in Division I, uh, reached an Elite Eight, four straight NCAA tournaments, uh, was an at-large selection all four of those years, uh, which which gives you an idea of how good they were for an extended stretch. Um, you know, won the Atlantic 10 regular season title at, at one point there, um, got himself a, a chance at Indiana through his work at, at Dayton, uh, got hired by a college basketball blue blood, um, you know, because of his work at Dayton. And, you know, I think he's going to feel some type of way going in there. And, and I think the fans will receive him accordingly. I, I think that's a place where uh, he was really embraced and, and that he really enjoyed his time, um, you know, and, and the results speak for themselves. He was outstanding there in, in six years. He was, and and they should, I mean, I think there'll be mutual respect. That's a great, we've talked about it, Bill, that is a great fan base, a great place for college basketball. Dayton is a great college basketball community. And, and he was part of a really great era for the Flyers. I mean, that that is, and, and so the, I know that they'll show him the respect. I know that he'll give a tip of the cap. I'm sure he's going to enjoy being back there. 
and being back in this league and building up a program again, it, it's good for the Atlantic 10. It, it's all of it. And and so I'm sure it'll be a great scene. And then the Rams are going to want to go in there and they're going to want to win. So and try to bounce back. Maybe they'll have that edge that St. Bonaventure had. Um, and you mentioned the turnovers, too. That's something that had been cleaned up. And that's that's one thing that I'm sure they're looking at and saying, hey, guys, where'd that go? Because in that four game winning streak, the finally, I think Rody had cleaned it up. They were taking care of the basketball. But, you know, I guess part of that can be the environment, too. And things just go wrong and it's contagious. Um, so if they can clean that up again, taking care of the basketball is huge because, you know, it it doesn't allow teams to get out on the run and blitz you the other way. It allows you to run good offense, get good shots, feel good about what you're doing offensively. And so dealing with a road environment, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to take care of the basketball here again. Um, I think that'll be key. But yeah, I, I think it'll be a fun atmosphere to see for sure. Two of the toughest in the A-10 back-to-back, uh, along with VCU. I, I don't necessarily know if VCU is the same as it was in the late 2010s when when they really had it going, but uh, those three buildings, generally, in, in my experience, the places that I've been in the league, uh, those are the three worst snake pits that, that you can go into. St. Bonaventure, Dayton, and, and VCU. And you know, the fact that you got to play two of them back-to-back, I, I mean, that's tough, man. Tough. Tough. Yeah, really tough. Really. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Road games are difficult enough as it is, but you know you want to go to, to Olean and then Dayton and back-to-back trips. Man, I mean that is difficult. Um, you know, so you or I will have a chance full on Saturday. You you would think it's it's going to be a nice occasion for for Archie. You would think that his players would would want to put on a good showing for him. Um, you know because I can imagine that they are going to be smart enough to realize it means something to him going back there, and you know he'd certainly want his team to perform well. Uh, in that environment, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll win the game because Dayton is very good. Uh, Deron Holmes looks like the player of the year in the league and and should be. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, that's how he was regarded coming into the season. I, I voted him, you know, I, I had a vote in the A-10 preseason poll. He was on the top line in, in terms of, uh, you know, all conference players for me. Uh, I think he's outstanding. And, and his productivity recently, his scoring, um, you know, just what he's putting on the stat sheet, Night in and night out, uh, he he's been terrific. Um, you know, he's playing like an All American, and you know when you have a, a player like that in a league like the A10, it, it's just such a bonus for you. Uh, you know because the rest of that team's very solid, uh, but he, his ability, his ceiling raises theirs collectively. Well, and I think having players like that continue to go through Dayton, it's. It shows you how the program has stayed consistent in recruiting great players in this league. And they've recruited the right great players to come in there and make an impact. Um, and that speaks to, you know, the culture that's been set. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who the coach has been. Um, it just continues to, you know, go that way. And I, I, and Archie obviously is credit credit to him too. He he helped that stay that consistent course for mm-hmm. Dayton when he was the coach and and reach a high level. Obviously in the NCAA tournament, um, I think one of the great still what ifs, you know, when when we look back, you know, obviously the pandemic was a a very tough time, but one of the great what ifs was you know the the fact that Dayton 
they were rolling and they were playing so well. And Obi Toppin was who he was a few years back. I, I, I still think Dayton was bound for a Final Four. And it's sort of one of the great... The two what-ifs for me with that NCAA tournament that was canceled was one, how far does Dayton go? Because we had seen them right before the pandemic, just how good they were. Yeah. And the, and the other what-if was how far Providence was going to go because they were beating ranked team after ranked team. So it is what it is. But the, the point is with Dayton, they stay that consistent course. They continue to get great players. They continue to get the right players in there as role players. I was saying to you, I can't remember who we were talking about, but I was like, man, you know, this guy reminds me of, I think it was actually, we were talking about this current roadie team and David Green. And mm. we're saying like, wow, you know, who does he remind you of that, um, you know, Archie might've had when he was coaching at Dayton. And we started talking about all the role guys that really helped them have the success over the years. And, like man there's just a lot of guys that they've had and i think it was dyshawn pierre that i brought up and um you know smith and like all, all these guys that came charles through. cook jordan cyber trey landers like you know you just go down the list it's it's that yeah. you know that type of gritty wing guy who, who rebounds above his size and, and can score a little bit that's that's david green in a nutshell uh you yeah. know that's why they liked him so much that season, Dayton went 18-0 in the A-10. I think they were the first unbeaten team in the A-10 since George Washington. I want to say that was in 2005-06. Uh, you mentioned the Friars. They'd won six in a row in eight of the last ten and, and were streaking into the NCAA tournament um, You know, before the, the world stopped there. Uh, quite, I was told that the players like Deron Holmes, if, if they were in the A-10, that they would just leave. I, I was told that Ohio State would just buy guys like that and you wouldn't be able to retain them in this new era of NCA lawlessness. What, what happened there? You have a great program with a great culture, consistency and great facilities and investment. And even with, you know, the, the era of NIL, I'm sure a school and a program like that is looking at it and saying, well, we need to compete in some regard, but also, we have a really good basketball program and a really good basketball product, and this is the right fit for a guy like Holmes. And so we continue to sell that to you know great players that want to play at this level and shine. Nick Coyd on the record, folks, saying it can be done. It can be done. Mm, imagine that. <laughs> Shocking. Are you hinting at something, Bill? Not at all. No. No. You know what? Hey, hey, Bobby Hurley, just say how you really how you really feel, all right? <laughs> oh, Bobby had a tough one the other night. That was uh yeah, it, for for anyone who hasn't seen that, you pull up the clip of, of Bobby Hurley post game at Arizona State the other night. That was uh what does the team get? Four technical fouls and an ejection, I think it was, or was it oh, five? Oh my I think it was five in the game, four on Arizona. Four in the State. second half. Yeah. Tremendous. Uh I mean I, that was outstanding. Oh, my goodness. It was so awesome. I'm not going to say how I really feel. <laughs> Finally, two minutes in, he gets this question about the officials. He goes, what did I say at the beginning of the press conference? It's like, oh, Bobby, you are so beautiful. Angry Bobby Hurley. It was, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. That, uh, you know, the, the the Hurley brothers, you know, they, they wear their emotions on their sleeve for, for good and for bad. Uh, that's partly why we love them. Um, but that, that press conference, you, you can imagine sitting in that one, it would have been, uh, would have been good. Well, we've, 
done a couple of those with with Danny. Um, and <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize when we were doing the last podcast or right after we recorded it, um, the UConn game where who did they play before Creighton? Uh, Georgetown. They played Georgetown. It was Georgetown. It was Georgetown. Yep. And whatever call happened, that that freak out that you saw in your television sitting there talking to me became a an instant uh instant gif on uh on social media <laughs> it, it, it was it was a three-point shot i can't remember who took it but alex caravan was called for a foul they they said he touched the shooter's elbow and uh uh dan in, in no uncertain terms said no way uh about three or four times oh. uh might have had another word in between no and, and way a couple times uh it, it was terrific yeah, look at look at the girl who is sitting at the scorer's table. Oh, I'm not sure what her job is or what her role yeah. is. She's holding back laughter because it's time. just oh my goodness, Danny. <laughs> so beautiful. Those guys are the best. Tremendous. It is. I it's oh. it's tremendous. I oh. <laughs> Jesus. Uh we you know, we, we gotta wait a while for that. I don't think Providence plays them until like mid February or so. Uh which a couple is couple weeks. Which they go to stores. They go to stores. Hang on. A little late in the year. Well, they come here for the final Big East the game. The last they, game of the year they play them here, yes. I think but they go to they go to Gamble on the thirty first. Of January. January. Oh, so earlier than I okay. Yep. Yep. So that's that's a midweek game. That's a midweek game. Wednesday night. Yeah, we'll be yep. making the trip to that one for sure. I, yep. I would think. Yep. Um Quite another big game on Sunday uh, will be the URI women. They're hosting St. Joe's in, in a game that you two expected Atlantic 10 favorites. Uh, URI wins the other night against Fordham 55-44. Um, another game that URI wins simply because they're more talented than Fordham. They're better than Fordham. They're, they're in a different place right now as a program than Fordham. You, you, you go back like five years and you think, gee, URI is just supposed to win women's games. That that wasn't the case. Uh, no. Tammy Reese has has built this to a point where you expect certain things. Um, and she also expects her team to play a certain way and, and didn't necessarily see that for a full 40 minutes the other night against Fordham at the Ryan Center. Uh, you know, they build a 19-point lead at the end of the third quarter. They sort of stagger over the line in the fourth and you know, she wasn't really thrilled with with uh, the amount of offensive rebounds they gave up or, or some of the offense they played at times. Um, and I think she knows that, you know, she she said afterwards, you know, this isn't an at-large team. We're, we're not going to get in the NCAA tournament that way. We're going to need to win the A-10. And, you know, if we're going to do that, we're going to need to win three or four games in a row at the tournament. And we're going to need to be sharp to do that. And And we need to start sharpening ourselves right now. You know, this is the time to get rid of our bad habits and, you know, get to a point where we're comfortable about how we're playing. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily thrilled with, you know, the way we played tonight. And the kids know that, you know, and, and just very matter of factly post game, you know, just very plainly put it out there. And, uh, you know, I, I think I almost feel like coaches enjoy winning games that way because they get the result. Yes, but they also get the teaching points on top of it. You know, they can go to the players and say, hey, look. Yeah, you won the game, but this, this, and this, we need to do better. And and you can sort of hammer on those things in, in practice a little bit. I think that's where they've been uh, through a few of their victories here this season. Totally. I mean, can you remember a game where they really put it together for the entire night? I mean, that has been, I think, with this team 
a rarity. And I think I think Timmy and the coaching staff has have hinted as much. They have shown the flashes of the team that was picked to win the A ten. And then there's been times where you're like, well, what's what's going on out here? And it's sort of that Jekyll and Hyde thing that Tammy Reese has been talking about all season because they can come out, they can get big victories, they can beat Princeton, they can, you know, do that, but then they can go on the road and, you know, struggle and, you know, lose a Providence. And it's, there's just times where you're like, man, this team's really good. And then your times where you're like, man, what's, what's going on with this team? So, to get a win, but also sort of have those teaching points, I think is is definitely a good thing. Um, you know, getting some health back here too, getting Ten and Magasa back on the floor to help them, I think is going to help their cause, obviously, because she's a player that gives them something different from everybody else with her size, with what she can do near the basket. I, I thought one of the players that to me has really I think settled in and I think played well. And I, I think you see it, you know, with the Fordham score and the box score is Tisha Hyman. Um, I, I think that she, you know, you go out, you get a double, double. I think Tisha knows she can score. She's a good offensive player, but you know, to be able to grab the rebound that, that to me is effort, you know, with a player like Tisha, I don't think she's, I don't think she's a, t- a player that's expected to have 10 rebounds a night. Um, but to give that kind of effort, I think is, uh, a great thing. And the, the more we see, uh, that kind of effort consistently, I I think you're going to see, you know, better and better results from this roadie team. And, you know, if, if you're expecting that you need to win the A-10 to get to the NCAA tournament, then it's all about peaking at the right time. So if we see their best basketball, most consistently, their most complete performances late February, early March then everything that they've gone through and everything that they've worked through will be worth it. And, you know, you're seeing other teams in the A-10 that are going to be a challenge. You know, I watched that Richmond game, and that's a good team. That's a veteran team. Hmm. They've got a lot of players. They can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, Rody tried to compete on the road, but sort of just kind of fell behind and tried to play catch up the most of the day. Um, you know, but good learning experience. Go on the road. This is the team that's rolling. It's not going to be a cakewalk. And I think that's a good thing to see, too. You know, even in a loss, you want to win the game, but in a loss, you look at it and you say, well, we do this, this, and this better and more consistent, then, you know, we're, we're going to get the results that we want here later in the season. Yeah, losing at Richmond isn't so bad. I, I think they would have been annoyed by losing at Loyola. I, I think that's a game that, you know, you felt totally. like you, you should have. And, you know, you, you look on the schedule at the start of the year and you think, well, we'll get that one. And, you know, when it doesn't happen, you, you, you do a little bit of an autopsy. You think, all right, what's going on here? You know, why why isn't this? You know, and they've they found themselves doing that here a, a few times. I, I think you make a good point on Hyman. I, I think she picked up a lot of the slack for Anel Dutat, who who is still not playing, who who's uh, you know facing an NCAA compliance issue. And you know, I asked Tammy about that after the game the other night, and she said we're we're hopeful to get her back at some point here. Um, you know, she she feels like the school's doing a good job trying to iron this out. It, it's a transcript issue, um, you know, based on her a couple of her high school classes that she took in France, and um, you know, correspondence with with her school is, has been you know a little spotty. You're you're trying to do this over thousands of miles, and you're trying to go back and and see what she took, and you know, she's trying to register for second semester classes at, at URI, and uh, you know, they found uh, some sort of red flag and and said. 
hey, look, she, you know, she can't don't play her out of an abundance of caution because if you do, and we find out she's ineligible at, at some point for some reason, then you know we're we're gonna have to start over. You're gonna have to forfeit those games, and and you know that's that's not what anybody wants. Um, I did find her answer encouraging though because that's a that's a key player for them. You know, Anel yeah. gives them, you know, gives them grit on the board. She's a great defender. She's very unselfish. Um, you know, she's someone who accepts her role and performs in that role very well. Um, you know, and and she is a, a miss for them. Um, you know, and you you can feel that. And when someone like Hyman can step in and and help them on the boards, uh, you know, someone like Maya Torre can can step forward and you know produce like she did last season. Uh, I think that's critical without, uh, you know, a player who who figured to be a starter here through most of the season and, and a major factor for them. Yeah, I, I hope they get it ironed out uh, quickly and efficiently. I, I know these things can be really, really tough. Um, but, you know, Anel seems like a really good kid. Like, just hopefully it it, it just it, it, it hurts when something like that keeps a player off the floor. Uh, so hopefully they get it all sorted out, squared away, and she's able to get on, on the floor soon because... Not only does it help the team, but it just, you know, you hate for a kid to miss, you know, this time, you know, on this team, you know, you just want her to be able to be on the floor. I think of the kid, I think of the kid, because that stuff is just so, uh, some, you know, I, I get it. I get it. You know, you want to be cautious and, you know, there is other programs, other places, things can happen. That's not, you know, not so good. And, you know, but I just the way that Tammy runs her program, you know that this is just something that's just a snag and you just hope that they, you know, get it ironed out so she can be on the floor. Cause you just, you know, you want the kid to be able to play Sunday noon tip at the Ryan center. I think it's on ESPNU. I, I also think it, it might be national girls and women in sports day. Um, you know, awesome. so, so you or I will be celebrating that as well. Uh, quite, you mentioned Providence earlier and uh, you know, they are, they are going through uh, the meat grinder right now in the Big East. Uh, getting into that women's schedule, it is difficult. No easy games. Wednesday night, uh, a near miss at home against Georgetown. 73-71 loss. Uh, a game that was decided in the last five seconds. Kelsey Ransom with a tough bucket off the glass for Georgetown to snap a 71-71 tie. Uh, Marta Morales-Romero knocked down a three for Providence to pull them even inside the last 15 seconds and you know Providence lost four in a row here and and I think the other night was you know pretty telling in, in terms of you play well for stretches um you get good performances out of certain players and ultimately you come up short because the league's really hard and because you're at the start of a rebuild and there are certain scenarios down the stretch where maybe you wanted things to go a little differently and and maybe in year 2 or year 3 certain plays will be made or won't be made um, you know, and but in year one, it, it doesn't tend to go your way. And I, I think Providence is going through a little bit of that right now. They they had a little bit of buzzards luck the other night, and you know that was a game that that ultimately Aaron Bath might look back on in her second, third, fourth year and think, yeah, we didn't win that one that first year, but we're winning those now. Um, you know, but it's it's that makes it no <laughs> makes it no easier to go through while you're going through it, and and that's kind of where they're at right now. Yeah, it's not easy, but that this league is so tough, so tough. And, you know, to get that kind of effort, even after losing the last three, I think tells you where this program is, where they're headed, what the buy-in is with, with Coach Bath and her, her staff. 
Um, you know, look, Kelsey Ransom's a good player. 25 points. It wasn't a fluke shot. Like she, she had a night. I mean, it's, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised, but you, you continue to get great efforts from a lot of different players. Having, having Grace Afosa back, you know, for this, this stretch here, I think is really, really huge too, because, you know, they missed her for a while and she comes out as 19 points the other night. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a key player for them that'll help them going forward as they continue to go through what is the meat grinder here of the Big East. Um, and it, a player like Olivia Olsen continuing to, you know, put up the numbers that she's putting up, playing hard. Um, you know, when you have players like that in your program fully bought in, you're going to be fine. It this It's a tough league. The Big East is really, really tough. I... I I don't want to say I expected it, but you know, I, I probably did expect some bumps here um in this league because it 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 is what it is. But you know, it it's a team that we've seen, you know, have some success this year at points. And um I think the joy that they have in, in playing too, even in some of the adversity, uh tells you just what what kind of energy that Aaron has brought to the program. So you know at some point they'll they'll turn the corner. Not an easy place to rebuild in in that league, and you know that's what Providence is at the outset of here. This is a rebuild, um, you know, and and now that they've dropped four straight, you you think, ooh, you know, this this is where it's getting a little real. You know, it's like you you have the excitement of the press conference, you get some good non conference wins, you start two and zero in the league, uh, you know, everything is roses at that point, and and now you know as you get into January and then into February, it's like, ooh, here we go. Okay, here's the real work. Here here's where the real stuff comes in and, and the real adversity and, you know, the, the real difficulty of going to practice every day and trying to get better and, you know, trying to stay true to the process when, when you're not getting the results, uh, you know, these are the times that, you know, coaches really establish culture and, and find out a lot about their players. You, you use that buzzword a lot, oh, our culture and, and, you know, our belief and, and our mentality and all that. Well, th- this is where you find out, not when you're on a 10 game winning streak. You know, everybody can do that. That's easy. You know, it's easy to go to practice every day when when you're winning all the time. It's easy when you're playing or, you know, when your game is good or when you feel good about yourself. What do you do now when you've lost four in a row? Right. And, you know, I, I think they've got character kids on this team. You mentioned Afoza. Having her back is really important. Olsen the other night had 17 points, nine rebounds, six block shots. I think she's the only player in the league who's averaging a double-double in Big East. She play. is. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you get an idea of, of what a major step forward she's taken here in her junior year. You, you've seen potential there in the past, but, you know, now you've got one of the best front court players in the conference uh, coming out here, and you've got her for another year and a half, which which is terrific. Um, but Providence, you know, it, it's – you mentioned the league. It's not going to get any easier. You're, you're at Butler on Sunday. You know, I know Butler isn't necessarily the best team in that conference, but you're going to Hinkle on a Sunday afternoon. You know, that's that's not fun, generally. Um, you got Villanova at home next week. This isn't the Villanova of Maddie Segrist, but still a very good team who came in here last year in Thump Province. Uh, so you would imagine that Wednesday night, uh, they're going to have that result in their minds. Um, you know, then you're at Xavier, and then you got Marquette at home. Marquette's a team that's in the top 25. So... You know, no no real breathers here if if you're Providence. No points where you look and say, yeah, we should, you know, we'll get that one. It'll be an easy night. You know, the kids will feel great about themselves. It is none of that. 
at this point. That's that's the harsh reality of being in that league and the harsh reality of of being at the outset of trying to build something. But Aaron keeps it positive. She tweeted out uh, this week, look, it's been a tough couple of weeks, but this team doesn't give up. And I think she has that feeling about the team. I think we're seeing that about this team. And even in a tough night, a tough result with Georgetown and what's coming up, um, you know, that's good to hear. And I think you're seeing it when the team is on the floor too. So just continue to grind through, just continue to go, go through it. And Hey, maybe you get one of these, maybe you get one of these. And all of a sudden, you know, win a game like that, you're like, well, this is why we went through what we went through. So that's why they play the games, Bill. So we'll see. That's why they play the games. The wise man once said that Boom. Who you met? <laughs> Boomer, who you might have run into on the Brown sideline this season, correct? Did I see? Uh, uh, listen, listen, listen. I nineteen seventy three. <laughs> I'm I'm up in that uh, that booth right there, watching the Bears uh, programs. You know, but you know, it, it came around, and uh, you know, love what Coach Perry's doing here now. Oh, where it is. Where's 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 Yanni Caracas to go back and forth <laughs> with you and his his own boomer impression? I man, that was I, I think the first time I saw you guys have a have a Berman conversation was in Sacramento with you or I the NCAA tournament. I, I was on the floor <laughs> of the practice facility. It was hysterical, the two of you go going back and forth. Um, well, I'll 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 tell you to to tremendous. Ha- have the interactions that I've had with the legendary Chris Berman. The great Chris Berman. Uh, yeah. Year. Um really, really cool. Really, really cool. Really humble. Um, recognized what we were doing with our Brown football broadcast. So I I appreciate him very much and the and the compliments and um the support. So it was really cool. So Scott told me, hey, do your impression in front of him. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Come on. Respect for the man. Brown with a with a big football contingent in Japan right now at the Dream Bowl, uh, including James Perry, uh, who is coaching in that game. Um, nice trip for them to, to yeah, cool. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and you mentioned Brown and we'll go to the Brown women. I was on campus Monday for Brown against Harvard. Um, first real adversity that, that Brown has hit in Ivy league play. This, this was a showdown type of game. You thought if Brown could go to three and oh, they'd, they'd really be in good position, uh, with respect to Ivy madness and, and Harvard showed why they've been one of the top teams in the league in, in recent years. 73-59, a game that the Bears started really well, and, and Harvard just took control in the second quarter and, and ran this out in the third quarter. Um, measuring stick-type game early in the year, and, and I, think, I think what we found out is that Brown, although they've played better to this point, and, and although their talent level is at a certain point, um, there is another step to take when it comes to being a true contender for a league title. Uh, you know, and it is among the most difficult steps to take for any college basketball program. Going from good to elite is a big leap. It's like trying to hit a fastball at 90 and then at 95. You think, oh, it's just five miles an hour. Huge, huge difference. Um, you know, and it's it's that those fine margins, those small degrees that that great programs are are able to scale and you know, Brown is in the process of trying to figure out how to do that right now. And, uh, you know, Monday wasn't the time for them to do it. Happens. <laughs> I think I've said that a few times in this podcast, but happens. Um, 
you know, that Harvard team looked a lot more confident um, than the team that, you know, Rhode Island played um, even earlier. Um, and it just, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of talent. We, we, we expected that kind of Harvard team to compete in the league um, because as we've said over and over, it's Princeton, Columbia, but we always thought kind of Harvard was there too. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's, it happens. They came. They played well on the road. Um, you know, Brown will bounce back. They've just they've played so well this year, and they're still. I mean, there's four spots in Ivy Madness, um, so still anybody's game here. You could go and you could return. Uh, you know, on the road at Harvard, and you know, punch them right back. Who knows? But that happens. I mean, this, this team has been really, really impressive. Doesn't change. The fact that you know Monique really has them on a really great trajectory and track, and you know, sometimes getting punched like that can can help you, as we mentioned with you know with with Tammy and you know seeing the right things on tape, you know teaching points for your team. Sometimes in a loss like that, it's a it's a productive thing too. And you know they fought toward the end of that game too, and I I think that was good to see the fact that, okay, you're down as much as you're down and your players are still continuing to try to make this a game, make it interesting and um, not just giving up. And that's, that speaks to the buy-in, which is good. Yeah, Harvard played deep into the WNIT last year. Uh, you know, player they didn't have for the URI game was Harmony Turner, who's back in the lineup. Uh, you know, she makes a big difference for them in the back. Huge, She's, huge. You she know, spark, tell. spark type kid, um, you know, fire starter type kid can score it a little bit. She gets her teammates involved. Uh, she's active on defense. Um, you know, really like her game. Lola Mullaney made some shots in the second quarter when, when Harvard started to get going. The player draws the eye is Elena Rodriguez, who who was outstanding in this game. You know, 21 points, 13 rebounds. She's nine for 14 from the field, no turnovers in 32 minutes. Uh, I mean, just about perfect from, from a really good player, um, you know, who can do a little bit of everything. She can play inside. She can play outside. Uh, obviously, isn't afraid to get her hands dirty on the glass. Um, you know, terrific player, really good. Uh, it's one of the best performances I've seen, most complete performances I've seen uh, from a women's player this year for any team. Um, you know, I thought she was outstanding in the game. Uh, you know, just well had, had complete control of what she wanted to do. Yeah, and the role players too, I think, around her were good. Like, it just seemed like any time the ball bounced near the hoop or they needed a rebound or they needed something to be put back, like Lola Mullaney was right there to sort of clean things up. And when you just have everything sort of in sync and you have a great player that's sort of stirring the drink, you're going to have those kinds of performances. So yeah, there was just a lot of, it was solid all around from Harvard. It was tough to slow down. Um, you're right. Turner does make a huge difference. There's yeah. just a better, there's a different sort of confidence maybe when you have your full team. I mean, Look, we've seen with the URI men and David Green being on the floor. Like that makes a huge difference. So you, you definitely saw it with Harvard. Yeah, for for Brown, only two players in double figures, Kyla Jones and, and Grace Arnold. Otherwise, tough days for for some of their mainstays here. Uh Bella Mauricio's one for ten. Uh, you know, not a good shooting day for her. You're very atypical considering the way she's played so far. Uh Alyssa Moreland's one for nine. And, you know, I know she's been she's been playing through illness here the last two or three games and you know, hasn't necessarily felt like herself. And it shows in the box score because you could see her emerging here as a sophomore. You could see her, 
you know, sort of developing into this double-double threat uh, on a given night. She was a real factor for this team uh, in non-conference play and as they started 2-0 and in Ivy League. And, you know, the other night just wasn't really much of a contributor on the court. And you look at it and you say, that's not who that kid is or, or who she's becoming. So what's going on here? Um, you know, and you find out there is something going on, that, that she's been battling a little bit here and, you know, is trying to get back to 100% and, and feel better. And, you know, without her, um, Maya Murray gave them some good minutes off the bench, had six points and six rebounds, and, you know, was a factor at times in the second half. Maybe she opened the window a little bit to to some more playing time here down the stretch, and, and that would be valuable as an older player. You know, could give Monique a, a little more front court depth uh, in that way, but you know, just wasn't Brown's day uh, against a team that, you know, they'll hope to see again, you know, not only up in Boston, but at Columbia for Ivy Madness. Uh, they play at Cornell on Saturday, and that's a team that was picked behind them in the Ivy League. And, you know, it's a game that you need to have. You you need, if you're going to finish fourth, teams like Cornell and Dartmouth uh, and maybe Yale, who's picked in front of them in fifth, you've already beaten on the road. Those need to be sweeps. You need to build your win total against those teams you know, and hope to split against Harvard and Penn. And maybe you can steal one of the four games against uh, Columbia and Princeton. That's how you build an Ivy Madness resume. That's how you get to eight or nine wins in, in the league. Um, you know, but in this case, you know, get at home against Harvard just just was not their day. And, and you hope that it will be something better here uh, over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, Coit, last up, the Bryant, uh, the Bryant women. I said Bryant, thank God. Uh, the Bryant you did it. You did. Don't worry. I did. Oh my God. Be confident. You're good. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm shook. I am. I'm shook (laughs) from from earlier. It's not great. Um, the Bryant women have, have a major test on Saturday hosting Albany. Uh, the great Danes have been on fire and, and are, you know, top America East right now, uh, playing really well. Bryant coming off two straight wins at Binghamton and home against New Hampshire. They also had a bye. This week, um, they're in a stretch of, of three straight at home. They, they're going to be at Smithfield here for the better part of two weeks. And, you know, Coyte, this is a major test for them. Um, you know, this this is, you know, this is probably, if if I look back at, at their first four games in the league, they lost at Albany by 19 to open the league schedule. Um, you know, this, this is probably, until they go to Vermont late in January and then they play Maine in, in February, this is the best team that they're going to see in the conference. Um you know, up until a little later in the season and, you know, just a major test for them. You you like to have it on your home court. You, you like to have a little bit of film from, from earlier in the year based on, you know, your previous loss to them. But uh, Lynn and Kukoski and, and that team, they're going to have to be buttoned up and, and ready to go on Saturday because that is no easy task against Albany. No, but as we talked about with the Bryant women, I think on the last podcast, I think you're, you're learning live lessons here in America East play. Um, you know, and we say that because, you know, their first America East home games against UMBC, one point loss, you know, they make the winning play down the stretch and, you know, you come up just short. And then the next Saturday, you're home against New Hampshire and you make the winning play and you sort of bounce back from that and you say, all right. We're learning live lessons as we go along here. And that's a great thing to see for a team that's, you know, in year one under a new head coach, learning their way through the the America East and, you know, trying to, you know, compete in what's a really, really tough league. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, the impact that 
you know, a player like Kamari Reynolds made in that New Hampshire game. Um, you know, we've talked about how Mia Mancini has stepped forward, but um, there's a good vibe around that team and that program too. I think we saw that they were in the gym Thursday before the Bryant men got in there. And, you know, I think they're, they're confident. They're enjoying what they're doing. Um, win loss. They're learning some lessons here. Um, but they get a shot at a, at a heavyweight in the league here coming up with, with Albany again. And so you'll, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they can do. Uh, punching at them. Um, yeah. I mean, but it's, you, you love the way that they compete, the vibe around the program. I think those are all good things. Yeah, I mean, you got morning practice with Lynn Ann in front of you. Like, you, you better be ready to go. <laughs> you can't, like, I, I don't even know if she needs coffee to get going in the morning. I mean, she's just so energetic. You, you think, man, you know, we, we practice at 9 a.m. Like, you better not just roll out of bed and think, oh, yeah, I'll just go and, you know, get my two hours in and, you know, just sort of mail it in. I, I don't think that's an option there at the moment. Um, you know, we saw Kamari Reynolds out in the hall. We, we were doing men's availability and, you know, Chris Cole's giving her a hard time about something and she's giving it right back to him. And, <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned the vibes there. They're, they're, they're good right now. They, yeah. they are, they are, they're good. Um, you know, winning a couple games in the league, will do that. And, and, you know, if Brian's able to get a couple more here, they're going to exceed their overall win total from last year and their conference win total from last year. They are on track to do that in year one under Lynn Ann. Um, you know, so you got an idea of, of where she could take this thing going forward. And, you know, obviously, uh, Saturday being a major test, that would be a huge lift for them if, if they're able to get it. Uh, Albany has a familiar player. Uh, you might see some URI folks in the stands because Lily Phillips will be here. Uh, the twin sister of Sophie Phillips, uh, nice. shooting guard. You're also going to see Megan Herter come in here. Providence transfer, uh, who is in the backcourt at Albany right now, giving them a lift and some three-point shooting off the bench. So, um, you know, if, if Providence hasn't left for Butler yet, uh, and if URI isn't at practice, you know, in the afternoon, you would imagine that Sophie's going to be there to watch her sister play. And, you know, you think she might be there with, with a couple teammates as well. Um, you know, you could certainly see uh, Providence if, if they're hanging around. I, I know Megan and, and Olivia Olsen played on the same AAU team in New York and, and are close friends. Um, you know, so if they travel to Butler, maybe later in the day, you, you might see Providence try to get up there and, you know, watch that game as well. Um, I think that's a 2 PM tip at the chase. Um, you know, be an interesting game. If, if you're able to check it out either there, or, or I would imagine on ESPN plus, uh, Cody, we've covered all eight teams. You got anything else for this edition of the pod? No, I think I'm good. I wanted to squeeze in the Hurley brothers and how they truly feel. Uh, so we got that in too. So I, yeah, I think we've, we've covered a lot of ground here. William. You you think, you think Bob has his own version of Brian O'Connell out there on the West coast? Oh, he's got to have something, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Like he has to. Oh, has to just like, it's like so tremendous. I, I feel like it's, it's transferred now. Like, like Danny's guy now, I think is James breeding. I think he, he tends to go back and forth with breeding. If, if you go on the Yukon message boards, whenever they see breeding is, is one of the officials assigned, it's like, Oh no, we have James breeding. Like, here we go. <laughs> he, he sort of shifted into the Brian O'Connell seat, uh, that, that, you know, Dan had a, a little rift with O'Connell at URI that the running, yeah, you know, the running calculus was he he was something like one and nine in games that that O'Connell refereed at, at one point. Oh. Like it was just it was just brutal. Um what was his what was his Retecki record? Uh, not good. 
not good. <laughs> although, although I do know that he won an Atlantic 10 tournament quarterfinal uh, where Rateki gave him a technical foul in the first half. Right. Uh, yeah. Did manage to win that game. That was in the NIT season. Um, you know, so I, I would imagine he he probably did a little better with with Wally on the whistle. Uh, you know, O'Connell just seemed to. Uh, I, I don't know what it was. It was just. It just seemed to get under his skin, and you know, they didn't really get along. And he didn't feel like O'Connell gave him a great whistle. I, I don't know if he feels like anyone does, to be fair. Um, you know, but but Brian specifically, he was like, "Man, we got O'Connell tonight. Oh boy, you know, <laughs> just terrific." Uh, I mean, it's really, the best. Really was. There, there's got to be. There's got to be some West Coast guy who does like Pac-12, Mountain West, uh, some Big Twelve, you know, something like that. Who who Bobby looks on the sheet and he's like, oh great, really this guy? Totally. You know, like I never win with totally. this guy. He hates me. He hates my team. He, you know, it's got to be that. Oh yeah, gotta be that. definitely. Gotta be but he's not going to say how he really feels. He's not so. going to say it, Coy. He won't say it. Won't say it. Don't ask him. Don't try to get don't him ask. to say it. He's not saying it. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> oh man. All right, Cody. Uh, what are you hitting this weekend? Where are you going to be? Uh, I will be at Brown Cornell uh, yep. on the sidelines for that. So I'll be there. That'll be my my big game of the weekend. And then what Sunday? Uh, Sunday, I'll be watching from wherever I am, putting my feet up. I'm off Sunday. Whoa, I'll, I'll, there you I'll go. Keep, I'll, keep, I'll keep my eyes on things, as always. Um, but yeah, it's been a long week with the... Uh, a long couple weeks with the coaching change in Foxborough. So yeah, little news coming out of Foxborough, obviously with Bill Belichick moving on and Gerard Mayo, uh, his press conference on Wednesday. I thought yeah. it went pretty well. I think he won it. Yeah, right. He definitely won it. Yep, he won it. Jonathan Kraft lost it. Oh, <laughs> that was a uh, dare I say a Red Sox like kind of thing. Wasn't good. I know. Of course, he, you know, yeah, it takes some time to build up to uh, John Henry bowing out of a town hall because he's going to get booed. So where where's Jonathan? Well, he's running our other businesses. So. <laughs> okay. okay, really? That's mm-hmm. good. All right. That That's just what every fan wants to hear. He's running our other businesses. Well, what's your most important business, Robert? It is, in fact, the Patriots, is it not? It's all right. Thundercat held it down. Oh, Young Thundercat. I I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> I think that means it's time. We wrap it up on yeah. that one. I don't yeah. know where to go with, with or where Gerard Mayo's going with that one. Uh, thanks. Folks, thank you as always for listening. Coit, thank you as always. For joining me. Thanks, bud. Uh, I will see you at Brown on Saturday. And folks, we hope uh, to see some of you out at the games. Thank you all very much.